Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Shock Thief Podcast. Uh, we're back. Uh, it's been a little while, and after I introduce the guest, I might explain why. Uh, but this week, we have a, a guest with us, that, a returning guest who is, you might say, the leader of Pioneer content in general. He's the, the head honcho, the the man with the plan behind it all. Uh, we got Zach Ruckman with us, or... Ruckman from Crew Three Podcast. Hello, I mean, look, uh, the leader of Pioneer content is, is a little is going too much. I will say, <laughs> um, we have a small cabal that uh, <laughs> I'm only a a part of, and uh, we are only the sum of our parts. But the Shadow Count, the Pioneer Shadow Council, uh, look, we're, we're trying to push the Wizard Shadow Council out. We're trying to make some money. Uh, we're going to get there in the end, though. Exactly. Once we're able to, you know, be able to control the ban list. Uh, We'll be able to get rid of Fable out there. <laughs> That's right. Well, look, the deck, the deck we're going to talk about today, we don't want to get rid of Fable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the one deck where it's like, oh, that's that's our best card. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, yeah, we have Ruckman on today, and we're here to talk about uh, a really fun deck, Sacrifice, which has kind of made a huge resurgence as of late, I, I would say. Yeah. I don't know about you. No, I mean, definitely, definitely it has. I mean, uh, I personally have been kind of, so I had spent the, t- like most of season two and three of RCQ seasons playing sack. And then I just kind of want to switch up a bit. So I've been playing a little bit of humans and spirits lately, but I, I think some of the recent changes in sacrifice and just kind of where the meta has gone in general have really opened up things to the deck. And we've seen it put up some great results, especially during the, the RCs that have been happening the last couple weekends. Yeah. For sure, I, I've been looking at the the pine, playing pioneer tier list, and I've just seen Rakdos stack picking up, and I'm like, ooh, that that's a spicy with the deck to talk about that yeah. I don't think I've done yet. <laughs> but um, I'm just gonna mention real quick uh, before uh, we really get into the deck, um, people may be wondering uh, why I haven't posted in like three and a half months, and there's a good reason for it. One, life happens, and uh, I get busy, and uh, I forget. Also. Uh, there wasn't really anything about uh, Pioneer or Magic formats in specific I want to talk about because their latest sets haven't really inspired me very much. So I, just, <laughs> I decided, you know what, if I don't have anything good to say, then why say anything at all? Exactly, right? No one no one wants to be truly negative. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just Also, I just kind of didn't feel inspired to talk about any of the decks because, I don't know, the only new thing is Boros can evoke and, you know, that's... It's an aggro deck, you know? There's not much yeah. to say about it. No, I, I think Magic okay. Brot's been real for a lot of people lately. So I, mm-hmm. I always think I always think taking a break from Magic whenever you need it, it'll be here when you come back. Exactly. It's not like Wizards of the Coast is going to lose a billion dollars overnight and That's right. no longer be able to do anything. <laughs> Hasbro, to all or one. Exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we're back now with the podcast and we're talking about some fun decks. And also, if anybody uh hears anything in the background like big rumbling noises uh you win the prize of uh yeah that's because there's construction going outside so please excuse that that <laughs> that didn't work sorry it's i'm out of <laughs> i'm out of practice you're good <laughs> it's so long. anyway um yeah we're here to talk about sack one of the most infuriating decks in pioneer but in a good way <laughs> I mean, look, who would have thought one of the most annoying decks in Standard would also be one of the most annoying decks in Pioneer? I mean, it turns <laughs> out shoving a cat into an oven 20 times so your opponent's dead 
um, is not very engaging gameplay for your opponent. Exactly. I, I think uh, Historic, as much as I rag on Historic, they kind of solved the, the problem I hate about uh, Cat Oven, where the cat just can't block. It's like, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to... I can actually clock against this deck. Like, yeah, yeah. Can't block me from. But anyway, no, no more negatives. I, this deck is a fun deck, so we're gonna talk about. Yeah. yeah the fun stuff. Yeah, the fun stuff. Uh, All right, where do you, where do you want to go? Okay, so Ruckman, if you were take three, let's uh, say you were describe Rakdosak for no one who's ever heard of it. What would you say it does? So Rakdosak is the attrition's deck, attrition's deck. Uh, what we're trying to do is it's built around the two card combo of cat oven of witch's oven and cauldron familiar, colloquially known as the mm-hmm. cat oven. Uh, so what we're trying to do is so witch's oven uh, lets you sacrifice a creature and make a food token. Cauldron familiar is a one one that on ETB uh, drains your opponent from one, and then you can sacrifice a food token to bring it out from your graveyard uh, and put it back into play. So what you get to do is essentially if your opponent has any sort of board out, you could just throw the cat under the bus, block it, soak up damage, sack it off to the oven uh, before damage happens, right? Um, and mm-hmm. then get our food token and then bring the cat back. Like Nothing happened, and if your opponent doesn't have any blockers, um, you could potentially even just chip in for even more damage uh, than what you had. But usually, if you're in blocker mode, you're not going to do that with the cat. Uh, so the other cards that likes to play uh, are Mayhem Devil, which uh, with one successful cat oven loop, is dealing our opponents two extra damage because you get a trigger off of the sacking of the cat and a trigger off of the sacking of the food. Uh, we also have things like Deadly Dispute to help sacrifice off some of these other small creatures. If we have a surplus of food, extra cats, we can sacrifice a college familiar. Uh, we can sacrifice Unlucky Witness to get the exile trigger as well as two cards in our hand. Uh, we can even sacrifice off something like a Blood Tithe Harvester, who in this deck mm-hmm. is generally just kind of a beater and the occasional um, removal spell if we hit a couple extra blood tithe harvesters to uh to kill off something bigger uh and then of course we have things like fail the mirror breaker as a great value engine and one of the things we also get to do and this is kind of one of the first i would say real innovations of the deck is that as the deck's kind of gone along uh we've seen it play things uh it's sort of like incorporate cards like oni called anvil and artifact builds of the deck and then we've seen it turn to where it is now with playing sheep threat effects like claim the firstborn um, to help steal our opponent's creatures, getting for some big damage since thanks to all of uh, like Mono Green's four powered three three cost guys, and then sack them off to make sure our opponent has no boards to after that. Uh, you also play some bigger threat effects like Karizev's Expertise, um, Bloody Betrayal, and now the deck's kind of moved on to Furnace Reigns as its big mm-hmm. expensive threat and effect. So, uh, like again, you're you're just this big attrition deck. You're going to grind your opponent out over a number of turns where small cuts add up to big advantage, and then you can finally just wait till you can find the way to get in those last couple points to to seal the game away. Nice. The deck seems like it's very... has a lot of uh, uh, redundancy, so it can get the, the game done. You said it has, like, three different threaten effects, it, or four, in fact, including Claim the Firstborn, that it plays to really steal stuff and yeah. get the sack going. That's... that's Yeah, it, it, it is... It is a very redundant deck, and one of the things I like, it, it feels like like one of the reasons why Rakdos mid-range has a lot of draw to it for a lot of people is um, 
your your plays kind of matter in that deck. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of other decks, I wouldn't say are like mindless, but they're very very linear strategies. And and so Rakdos can be very linear in the fact that like you're you're trying to hit children and win through that. But there there are you have to know what you're trading off your removal spells for, when to attack, when to to block or trade, and things like that. And then Rakdos sacrifice is that kind of ratchet up to a lot. Yes, you're at the end of the mm-hmm. day you're just shoving the cat in the oven, draining your opponent. But you know you really have to think of there are going to be some times where you do just need to fully block and you can't sacrifice the cat off. Or you have to really think about mulligans, whether or not getting rid of a creature early in a block is is what's going to be necessary for you to keep your ovens going later on in the game. Uh, so the deck is very much you have to think about and know your plays. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like a very 4D chess for those kinds of people who want to play games that are... Uh, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> it's it's a very good deck for people who like to control the game, but not like control deck almost. Yeah, yeah, like, I would say I so. Kind of, yeah. Okay, so um, moving on to the, my my first question, I have. Uh, what would you say are the real strengths of the deck? Like, what does the deck do better than any other? So, I, like I said, it, it is it is the best at being able to grind out the long game. Um, there, there are decks where, you know, once you're in like turn past, like turn like seven or eight, like it just, things start getting bogged down. Like you have like your mono white matchup, like mirrors and you're just staring at each other. Right. You, you, you eventually get to a board state where, um, decks are just kind of staring at each other, looking for where to get those last bits of damage in. Whereas with cat oven, you get to do that while also, having the clock in your opponent you want the ground to get gr- the the ground to get gummed up because every turn you can sack your cat get some mayhem double triggers and your opponent's also doing nothing so you force your opponent into a position where they have to start pressing advantages where they normally wouldn't be they want to be able to try to block and stop what you're doing but when you get to a point of you've got like two mayhem doubles on the board some one ones and your cat is just stopping them they have to start to yeah. swing all in and is really pushing from a place that they wouldn't normally be pushing from. Yeah, that, 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 that sounds like a very powerful strategy of forcing your opponent into an awkward place where they don't want to be. That That's a very good way of putting it. I, every time I play against it, I find myself wanting to just... Uh, making the worst plays to try and beat them, but it's like, I can't do any better. Yeah. Deck's very good at doing that. So uh, what would you say are the matches you're looking for whenever you're playing Rakdos Sack? Are you going out there looking for your mono-white humans, or are you looking for so the mirror generally, match? Generally, we're looking for every dumb mid-range matchup. Now, caveat to that being uh, any decks with Leyline Binding, like most Rakdos decks, are going to be hard. So I do think that this deck has a little bit of an easier time against the Leyline Binding again, you do have a lot of redundancy, and not redundancy, but you have a lot of resiliency to being able to, like, sacrifice off uh, one of your creatures their Ley Lines, so they don't really get any value from it. Hopefully you can recur that creature later. Uh, but you want to really avoid the Leyline Binding mid-range decks, but decks like um, Gruel Boats, if you can keep them off a vehicle, um, decks like Rakdos mid-range, uh, decks like Spirits, Humans, if you can start getting a Mayhem Devil active before they grow their board too big. Um, any deck that really establishes a board presence 
is kind of where you want to be when you're playing Rakdos Sacrifice. That makes sense. So, so your humans, your all those kinds of decks. And we're back. Uh, if anybody notices a, a slight difference, we're recording on a different day. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties behind the scenes. <laughs> anyway, um, back to the questions we had. Um, we were talking about the worst matches for Rakdos Sack, in your opinion. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So traditionally, very similar to like regular Rakdos mid range. Mm-hmm. Um, the decks that are packing Leyland of Binding are pretty rough okay. for you. Um, you, the, I'm trying to think here how to best to phrase it. Unfortunately, it's mostly because enchantments yeah. are so hard for Rakdos to do with, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you're not going to want to pay five life to play Feed the Swarm, so you yep. just kind of have to kind of let those matchups go. Yeah. Um, and as well, they they very rarely had interactable board presence. I mean, you, know, you could try to threaten off an Omnath or something like that, but you can't interact with the Sylvan Character, which is kind of like yeah. the big creature you want to get off the board. Yeah. Uh, in a very similar sense, is it creativity? Um, can be an interesting matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the issues being that um, it, it depends. So I will say if they're on Magma Opus build of creativity, yeah. The matchup is a lot easier for you because you can take their token um, and start going face with that. Uh, but if you're playing up against like the classic teamer builds where they're ending the game with Xenagos World Spine Worm, that matchup is very hard for you because the game is usually just over. Although sometimes if you get lucky with cats, you can kind of gain some life. Yeah. Uh, but 30 is hard to soak up even if you have a couple cat triggers um, oh, going sure. for you. The other, the other big match with sort of problem is Abzan Grease Fang. Yeah. Um, you know, they can just work around to the point where they just have the Grease Fang to go off in one turn, mm-hmm. and you're not really going to get a chance to really untap because, you know, unfortunately cats can't fly. They haven't figured out yeah. that yet. <laughs> uh, hopefully in future iterations uh, we get a cat with wings, and it is all gravy train from there. <laughs> uh, I was going to say... Um... I think they might have figured it out on the one card from a uh, Dominaria. It just made me think of it. Arcane Flight. There we go. Has, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a cat with wings on it. That card always made me laugh just because it's the, the just the silliest looking cat. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed with cats now because I, I have three now. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, um, I, I think my next question is, what would you say is the most broad in sideboard card for Arakto Sack? Uh, so, funnily enough, the mo- one of the most brought in sideboard cards is now actually seeing main board play. Oh. Uh, previously, Thoughtseize was a card you'd board into um, mm-hmm. because the sack is really based on its own game plan. We really just want to s- take turns to set things up. We're not really worried about Thoughtseize. Uh, more recently, with a lot of the combat decks coming around in the meta, uh, you've seen the deck switch from playing... Uh, some extra threat effects in the main, some like things like village rights or extra rule spells, like um, oh, I always blank on this card's name, the, the exile card where you the you, like, the brain eating card or whatever. I always I always blank on that card's name. Um, um, but sometimes you you play copies of that village okay. rights. Uh, but now you're just bringing in thoughtsies just to deal with all of the the combo matchups. Um, I've been a really big fan of decks kind of solidified this lately, but kind of um, in the past. Uh, it was really on Meat Hook Massacre because it's kind of a win more. But with yeah. the uptick in decks like Mono White and with Convoke, uh, Meat Hook Massacre is a very good sideboard card right now. And uh, it, 
I hope hope it someday comes down a couple more dollars. Yeah, uh, forty dollars is is like we're doing a lot better now. Yeah, but uh, get, hit me at like thirty bucks, please. Uh, oh. so the other the other fun. Um, I think I bored in this card too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's such a fun card and looks so good. Uh, is Obnixus the adversary? Yeah, uh, oh, that one. I great. think I bored that in a little too much. Uh, mm-hmm. But definitely things like, like I said, Thoughtseize, so good. We just brought it in the main board. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you know, you have, like, uh, the the classics, like your Record Bank Buster, Unlicensed Hers. A lot mm-hmm. of the, the cards that, like, Raptor Speed Range has access to in the board. Okay. So it's just kind of like your sideboard is kind of, it seems very, ta- from, the, from the, the goldfish list that is showing right now, it seems very tailored to... Uh, defeat a very wide strategy with like a lot of twos and ones. Yeah. So I mean, the deck, like I said, like we've kind of covered is very much built already to beat the ground games. Yeah. And then you're just looking for cards to kind of fill in slots where we can shave off um, some other cards that aren't great in other matchups. So like, you know, we want to bring in a couple dresses for our combo matchups. We want to bring in uh, hearse cling to dust for those, uh, the Grease Fang matchups. It really, it's a deck that we're not we're not really playing a transformational sideboard. And a lot yeah. of matches we're probably not bringing in more than like three or four cards. Uh, mm-hmm. But those three or four cards can make a big difference in how the deck plays because of cards like Deadly Dispute, Unlucky mm-hmm. Witness, Fable. We yep. can see so much of the deck to begin with. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like the deck is almost Phoenix-like with how many like cards it can just churn through sometimes. Like, it's like, I just got like five different grips of seven. I know exactly what's going on. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, are you still there? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, my bad. Um, I was gonna say something. Oh yeah, uh, eaten alive is the card that you were you blanked yes, on the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sorry, I, I, I would. It's some, it's some. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. You, you play yeah, exactly. like one or two of. Uh, it looks cool because I got the I got the the blackout version right mm-hmm. from from double feature. Hell yeah, that that's sick. I've I've been loving the blackout cards. I bought a bunch of a uh, blackout uh, path to perils, and they just look so beautiful. Nice, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're so nice. Um, uh, so that's the most broad inside work cards. Um, is there anything that uh, is a surprising card that you board out in in Rakdosak? Like, uh, do you ever have to? board out mayhem devils for any reason or like cat ovens for any matchups is there any like weird corner case so you'd say again you've kind of seen the deck already start doing Mm -hmm. that in how it's constructed i mean you know traditionally you you have the deck as four oven four cat but now you're Mm -hmm. seeing the deck play um three cat in the main because it's if people have all caught on that well, you know, past the first cat, we don't really get a lot of extra value out of it because we only have yeah. we're limited by how many ovens we have. So, mm-hmm. uh, in some cases, yeah, I mean, you might you might shave off like a Bloodhive Harvester. There aren't many matches I personally like to shave uh, off Mayhem Devil because that's yeah. kind of our our force multiplier, if you will, and yeah, just um, the best card in the deck. Yeah, but there there's actually. Um, Sometimes I'll actually shave uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker a lot of the time. And now I don't, I don't know if others will agree with me on that, but I have been known to cut like one or two fables when I'm, when I'm boarding things in because a lot yeah. of the matchups that we're going to be losing to 
Um, some of the times we don't have time for Fable to really get us a lot of value. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, we, we ditch Fable to bring in cards that we can survive mm-hmm. against um, Your Grease Fang, Fang. Yeah. so that we can play those Fables later on in the longer run. Nice. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard that uh, Fable, like, it's like, it's a very rare case, but Fable sometimes is actually kind of bad on the draw. So it's good mm-hmm. to board it out for those matchups, like where you're slow. Because I mean that makes sense. Like on the play, you always want to have like your four fables if you have it. I think. Yeah. But yeah, on F- the draw, fable fable is a three drop, but it's really a turn four card because mm-hmm. that's when your token gets to start attacking. That's when you're going to get the real big important trigger off of chapter two. So yep. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's such a weird card to to deal with because it. Like uh, you say on your podcast, it's two bears and a loot, but also it's like the most insane card ever printed. It's, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's probably very, since, very yeah. innocuous at time of printing. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason I was able to buy like 40 of them at time of yeah. at time of printing for like $2 each. Yeah, it's such a weird card. Like I want to compare it to Uro, but I know that's wrong. But like, I don't know. It always feels like whenever somebody lands it, I'm just like. I get the exact same feeling I do whenever somebody would land an Uro. I'm like, oh, this game's over. <laughs> well, I think it's okay. I think it's because I it's because it's a red card, right? Like mm-hmm. this card is so much advantage for a red card. Yeah, it's Uro's so green weird. and Uro's green and blue. You expect that card to be good. Like yeah. look at the colors. It has to be good. But <laughs> yeah. Fable, it, it's a red card. Those cards are traditionally pretty bad when it comes to card advantage. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're just like, you know what? hold my beer we're gonna make the most powerful card advantage card exactly i don't know if it's the most powerful red card like card yeah no i don't know it's hard to say it's very good (laughs) strange card but anyway um uh my next question i think i had is oh this is my last question actually um if you had to give one piece of advice to somebody who's just picking up Sack, um what would be the the main thing you sh- would want to want that person to know before they pick up the deck? If you had to choose one, this is this is a piece of advice I usually mm-hmm. give for any deck you're going to pick up. Yeah, take your time, learn like and put in the reps. Mm-hmm. This deck has so many triggers on it, mm-hmm. um, and you know i I put a lot of time into sack, but I have a friend. Ed, who puts so much time and he plays a lot of sacrifice, even more so than I do. He's been playing it since like you were playing standard sack mm-hmm. with court, like when this was a standard deck, essentially. Yeah. He's been playing it for that long. And I always remember um, during like COVID when CFB was doing their like um, their their challenges where you could like they had run their little arena events and you could like, if you, if you won the event, you have to go play against their pro player or whatever. But I always mm-hmm. remember one, one weekend he got, he got like made it to the finals and just hearing the commentator talk about how proficient he was. And obviously this is arena, right? But like yeah, he's, he's clicking through all the triggers. He's knowing the lines. And mm-hmm. when you get off of arena and the training wheels are off, that becomes even so many times harder, right? Oh, yeah. um, this this deck is a is a deck of a million cuts, and if you miss that mayhem devil trigger, if you miss that cauldron familiar drain and gain, mm-hmm. like that could be a match. So it, yeah. it is a deck where I say you have fifty minutes on the clock. Don't 
slow play, but mm-hmm. be deliberate and make sure you like are aware of everything happening. You have oh, yeah. to because one of those triggers, you miss it and it could just be the match. Oh yeah, for sure. I whenever I try to play like decks that have a lot of triggers and stuff, uh, one advice I have that probably won't work for everyone is I like to have a little piece of paper and I like to just make a little mark just every time I do a trigger so that I have two things that happen in my head whenever I do something. So it's like a little ritual, basically. It's a weird thing I do, but so it's like, I remember I have a cat ping. I make a little mark on my paper. That way I have two things associated with one thing and then I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can go back. I don't know. It's a weird thing I do specifically, but for somebody out there, if you want some help, I would recommend that. It's weird. Yeah. No, whatever whatever helps you, Mm -hmm. it is like the less drop triggers, the less drop games. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Some very good advice for just any deck, really. Like, know your matchups and know how to play it. (laughs) Um, I think I had one quick final fun question before we head out. Okay. Um, Sorry. I'm chewing on a cough drop, so I don't cough into the mic. <laughs> You're good. Um, the last question I had was, um, what do, uh, Ruckman, what would you say your favorite card currently in Pioneer is now? Oh, that's uh, so hard. There there mm-hmm. are there are so many good cards. And, I, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, obviously we're talking about we're playing, playing mm-hmm. Sack right now, but I've been really enjoying uh the spirit survival right now um mm-hmm. i've been playing a lot of mono i play like every deck in the front so i th- there's a i could probably name a card from every deck that oh, yeah. is like one of my favorites to play um i'm gonna disappoint people and say that like fable is a really fun card to play with oh, yeah. uh, just because i it, it is one of those cards that i feel like i'm in control of what's gonna happen I have to really be conscious about that chapter two comes up. Do mm-hmm. I like the two cards in my hand? Do I want to pitch one of them? Do I want to pitch two of them? Yeah. What am I pitching? I, I think Fable gives a lot. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of cards in the game that make me feel like my decisions that I'm making matter. Yeah. Uh, now, for a fun answer, uh, I'm going to go with a Spirits card, and that's Slip Out the Back. Nice. Um, so about the back is It's like the one of the best cards no one talks it, about. It is secretly the best card in spirits. Yeah. Um and it is the versatility of the card is actually really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um because not yeah. only doesn't it have the, like five secret modes or something. <laughs> yeah. So like so slip out the back, right? So it's very innocuous. So just put a woman counter on target creature, it phases out. Mm-hmm. So like cool. We get to grow a spirit. We get to like get the guy out of. Uh, we get to protect it from a removal spell. Mm-hmm. But if that removal spell is like a bone crusher giant, now they don't get that giant to cast. Yeah. Um, it's also target creature, um, and there have been plenty of situations where I've played against like auras, mm-hmm. and you get to like slip out their uh, auras guy, and oh, now they don't get their aura. Now they don't get their SRAM trigger. Now they don't get their light pause trigger, right? Oh, um, oh look, Mono Green's got a pretty big scary board. Oh, yep. let's slip out their 
uh, three devotion guy. Let's slip out like their cav. Now mm-hmm. we get to get in for our damage that we need. So around the back is like the Swiss Army knives of uh, of magic cards. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, so around the back is so much fun, and you should be playing four of in your seventy five when you play spirits. Yeah, I'm a big believer in slip out the back being. One of those cards that's going to, I think not a, not enough people talk about it. I think it's going to be one of those cards that whenever it, whenever more decks like start picking it up, it's going to like start changing the way matchups are made. Like, I really think it's really powerful. It, it is. It is immensely powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Now I'm um for my card, I would say is probably the favorite card that I've been playing in Pioneer. I think it's got to be uh this is also a really bad answer but reckoner bankbuster it's similar to how you were saying fable gives you a lot of ways to play the game out it's not Mm -hmm. quite as efficient as fable but i really have been enjoying the card just because it's a it has a lot of options too because you can either use it as if you play a three three it becomes basically oh i give my creatures plus one plus one and haste Mm-hmm. or it just or it can draw a card but you can also use it to play around something like a narset where instead of drawing all your cards and then a narset counters it you can just slow roll it yeah and then draw a card i don't know it it has a lot of utility and i i enjoy cards like that it also <laughs> yeah. has great showcase art oh yeah i just bought some uh showcase of art of it and it's the yeah the up close okay, of okay, the, for sure. now, the now, i have <laughs> Hey everybody, sorry about this. Um, for the rest of the episode, it's kind of uh, spoilery for like a 20-year-old Warhammer book. Me and Druckman, we we start uh, gushing about uh, Warhammer 40k as a concept and a, and a, you, you know, we just start talking about it because we're both into it. So if you're not into Warhammer or you don't want to be spoiled for some older books, um, Stop right here. Go. You shall not pass. Lord of the Rings reference because it's timely. Um. Uh. That that's it for now. Uh. Here's uh my soundboard. Uh. To go back to the podcast for those of you kings and queens still listening. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh. Having I'm I'm gonna take all the credit for this and say having recently got you into Warhammer 40k mm-hmm. and recommending you some books um i have to ask you what was your favorite part about the infinite and the divine infinite and divine hmm that's a that's a tough question uh i really like the the back and forth between uh the the two main characters i can't remember their names uh brazen and oryx i i'm thinking like like what was like a scene that you like the most like i'm always tied between the like um the scene where they talk about the of uh, the the planet that um Trazen saved from orcs mm-hmm. and they make a statue of him thinking that he's a space marine i absolutely and then, love that part. and then he's like well it begs the question oric does mm-hmm. someone out there think you're a deity as well huh mm-hmm. maybe maybe <laughs> it's either it's either that or when they're like when the gene stealer coup is happening mm-hmm. and orcs just like did you do this? Like, did did you cause this to happen? He's like, well, at the time, 
I didn't know they were a disease vector when I threw it at you. So you did <laughs> throw it at me. We don't have, look. We don't have time for that. <laughs> I, I'll, now that I uh, use, uh, now that I know exactly what you're looking for, um, I think yeah. probably my favorite part is when uh, the guy comes back and his fingers are like cut to the oh, bone, from, basically from, from digging out of the dirt. Yeah, and it's just like I spent four thousand years digging in this hole. Oh yeah, yeah he's, finally he's escaped. Like, he's like, He's like, I, you, oh, it's been, what, 200 years? No, 2,000. <laughs> that got, that's got to be my probably my favorite part. I just – I got a kick out of that just because of how how separated they are from at, like, time and space just because they're in yeah. world. They're just like, yeah, 2,000 years, There's, there's years. also that and there's the, the like, when Oryx, like, trays and I hope you brought an arm with you. He's like, oh, I brought three. <laughs> Do you that really think so little of me? I brought three. <laughs> uh. I also uh, okay, uh, this is going way off topic, but I really like the part where um towards the the end of the book where uh he he basically uh he becomes a god and then he just like doesn't even know what's going on anymore. He's just like, "Am I still a god? What's happening? What?" Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just like the whole back and forth they had between the uh at the very end where it's like they're just back to their old hijinks, basically just yeah, stealing it, from each it other. Is- what I love about the Infinite Divine is like, what if you really pull back from it is just spy versus spy. Mm-hmm. And like, I love that the one point where like Trazen beats Orkin and he's like, I don't even want the box now. I'm just out. I'm just being petty at the moment. Like, <laughs> that was so good. They're just, um, there, there's another, I don't, I forget if it's in a book or it's just like a mm-hmm. random side story, but there's Trazen's one of my favorite, just 40k mm-hmm. characters. Um, where so i don't know how much into like some of the other space green chapters you've gotten into yeah so there are like the second book of the the grant's ghosts god's okay god's ghosts okay but have you do you know about like the salamander chapter of space marines i don't so they are like one of the original 20 chapters uh Mm -hmm. of space marines and their primark uh, Vulcan is this like master of the forge, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and his whole thing was, um, unlike some of the other Primarchs, he just kind of went off and did his own thing. But he's like, I've left all these artifacts, and once you collect all these artifacts, um, I'll return. Like that's my my signal to know that I'm ready to come back. And so they're in their chapter. They have there's like seven or t- I forget how many there are. There are like ten artifacts, or whatever. And they had like four or five of them. But Trazen really wants Vulcan's spear. Mm -hmm. And so there's one guy in the chapter whose whole duty is he goes and looks for the other artifacts and he like has every artifact they found with him. Yeah. And so there's just this whole just thing where it's just like just Trazen, just this mustache twirling villain of just like (laughs) just doing all these like Looney Tunes style, like Roadrunner, like Roadrunner and Coyote, like trying to get the spear (laughs) from the guy dying uploading mm. into another body is like drats pulls his mustache <laughs> and just goes again like he just like pops out from around the corner the guy destroys him wakes up in another body all right how, how do we do this again <laughs> that's hilarious yeah it's so good i was actually so happy um i bought the warhammer 40k uh deck a while ago for the the necrons and i didn't i didn't know very much about them but i kind of want to start getting into it and then after i read that book i was looking through the cards again and I realized I had both those. Uh, I, I still am so bad at their names. Trazion, uh, or yeah, Tra- Trazon and Oricon. Trazon and Oricon, they're both in the deck, and they both have cards. And I was like, 
so happy about that. I'm like, yeah, no, 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 they're great. They have the uh, coolest I, abilities. I, I am, I am very glad I've got, I've converted someone else to 40 K. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I've been, I, I just got the, the, the Gaunt's ghosts uh, models and I've been building, I was building them before. Nice. We hopped once, on. once you're done with Gaunt's ghosts, I recommend if you want to keep with like human stuff that isn't space Marines, mm-hmm. um, the Caiaphas Kane novels, they've Caiaphas announced Kane. another one's going to come out. Um, essentially, if you if you want like an elevator pitch of Caiaphas Kane, mm-hmm. it's Black Adder in 40K. <laughs> I love Black Adder. Yeah. Well, so he's just like some aristocrat who just doesn't care. He's just like, I'm above it all. It's, essentially, he uses this reluctant commissar hero that just like <laughs> saves the day every time. Um, and like, yeah, like all of his squad, they're just like so goofy. Like there's, I forget his name, but he just has like this Melta that just like, just passes. It's insane. It is just like, he's (laughs) this reluctant hero that just kind of bumbles his way Mm -hmm. through like success. That's great. I need to, that sounds really fun. Yeah. So you should definitely check those out once you're done with God's Ghosts. Kyathis Kane novels. Hopefully they have an audio book version. Oh, they should. A hundred percent they will. That sounds great. All right. Well, um, I think we've derailed enough with 40k. (laughs) Honestly, I'm like, we have like 20 minutes of 40k. (laughs) I'm not, I'm here for it though. I'm, I've been really getting into the lore. It's so expansive, but I was honestly kind of surprised. I really thought there was going to be more swearing involved with it. (laughs) Oh, no, no. There's, it's, it's violent as hell, but there is very few, very few sweary words. Yeah. Really interesting. So, if anybody is still listening, check out Warhammer 40k. But also, uh, don't be fascist and don't think that anybody's good because they're all bad. <laughs> Everyone is bad, uh, especially the Tau, because the Tau initially were pretty good, mm-hmm. and then everyone complained they weren't bad enough, so they like doubled down on making them like eugenicists. <laughs> Jeez, I, I think. Well, so far, I think Gaunt's ghosts are like the best people so far. But well, this thing is like it's like every every group. There's like a few stand out. Like mm-hmm. okay, these people aren't horrible monsters. Yeah, but it's like but the overview of every faction is they're awful. Oh, yeah, but everyone is awful. So it's it's kind of like real life. Like exactly. Like, oh, the whole group, everybody sucks. But you know, there are some good people out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you, the listener. You're a good person, and everybody likes you. <laughs> Except Steve. You know Except what you did. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've been listening to some uh a podcast stuff on how to do better and that's a thing they recommend is like talking to the listener as a person uh-huh. in the room <laughs> i was kind of surprised at that anyway i think that takes us to the end <laughs> um do you have any socials you'd like to plug Ruckman? yeah of course you can go ahead and follow me at crew three podcast i run the crew three twitter account talk about other things uh if you enjoy 40k i've talked a lot about 40k on there as well yeah. uh i talk about all sorts of card games that were me and the other crew three hosts are playing of course you can find crew three podcasts all your favorite mm-hmm. podcast hosts uh we also have a twitch and youtube channel crew three mtg on both of those uh don't stream as much right now but we're also turning up the the youtube contest be sure to go check out the youtube channel as we start getting more stuff going on there again sweet i'll make sure i link the the twitter and the youtube then for everybody perfect uh, let me just write that down in my notes twitter and youtube okay and then if anybody wants to find me on the tweeters or the i, I guess discord i don't know i don't really do much of that <laughs> uh 
YouTube or anything. Us, uh, if you want to find me, uh, you can find me at. I can't remember, but it will be linked in the description. There we go. I changed the name the other day, so I can't remember what it is. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Ruck. Man, this really means yeah, a lot course. to me. It, I love talking fun stuff with people, and uh, thanks for doing it two different yeah, days. Of course. We'll, mess we, up we sh- we'll, we'll get you on Crew 3 soon. I'm sure we've got a fun uh, – once I figure – once I get a good topic that we can slot you in on, we're, we'll get you on Crew 3 soon. Hell yeah, I'm excited. All right, buddy. Well, thank you. Thank you again for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming on. (laughs) Anyway, uh, thank you to the listener for listening as well. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye.